This morning, as we continue through the Gospel of Mark, and we're still in chapter 1, we're talking about the Lordship and the authority of Jesus and the ways He demonstrates His Lordship over every area and aspect of life. So, what I want to show us this morning in this account of Jesus cleansing a leper is uh, just a few things. Um, I want to show you the, the compassion and the love of God for all people and how Christians can offer this, the same love of God towards people and how we can participate and continue in the ministry of Jesus. I also want us to see the multidimensional uh, aspects of the gospel, meaning that the gospel is no less than our individual salvation, but there is certainly more to it than that. I also want us to see how you can have your deepest needs and longings fulfilled and how we can be close to God and how the ministry of Jesus turns social and religious structures on its head. And I want to show us all that in 22 minutes. So three points for you as we work through the text uh, together. Uh, First point, the gospel is for everyone. Second, the gospel is restorative. And third, the gospel is substitutionary. So beginning in verse 40, with just a little bit of background before we dive into those points, what we see in this section of Mark chapter 1 is um, that sometime during the beginning of Jesus' ministry, a leper comes up to him and implores Jesus to help him. Now, you must understand just a little bit of background to grasp the significance of what's happening here in this account. First, it's necessary to know what a leper is. A leper is someone who's infected with some type of skin disease. It was a visible uh, skin disease that that could be seen and um, often was accompanied by lots of neurological damage and pain and even severe disfigurement as people's skin just kind of falls apart and imagine a man like this falling apart quite abrasive looking walks right up to Jesus second uh, the man with leprosy coming so close in proximity with Jesus is absolutely paramount to understanding what's going on in this text to understand why this is so important you need to have just a little bit of background and know a little bit about Leviticus 13 and 14 Now, if you know your Old Testament, you know the guiding principle for Israel's worship was the distinction between holy and common, clean and unclean, and two reasons for for this. First, this distinction distinguished Israel from other nations as a holy nation, kind of a practical reason. How do you know who God's people are? Well, they are holy, they are clean. Second, this distinction reminds the people of Israel that there's a distinction between them and God. Because God is holy, unholy people, unclean people cannot come into the presence of a holy God. It's a constant reminder that sin separates us from God and and from one another and it has a profound effect in every area of life. Kind of a theological reason. So in Israel, for anyone to come and worship God who is holy, you must be in a state of being 
clean. If they were unclean because of any number of reasons we see in the Old Testament, no one, you wouldn't be able to come and to worship God. You wouldn't be able to live in covenant community within the city limits. If you were in a state of uncleanness, you would have been forbidden from being a part of community and others would have been forbidden from trying to do life with you, come near to you because they might become unclean. You see, lepers, they had to live outside of the city because they were unclean. They were outcasts. They threatened others' cleanliness. They could not be touched. So when you see, and even when, when lepers would see people walking their way, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people wouldn't come near them. So you see how incredibly isolating being unclean, being a leper, would make someone. But this leper comes right up to Jesus and he breaks the entire social construct in just a, sim- in just a moment. But notice verse 41. Jesus' response actually flips Israel's religious system on its head. It says that Jesus was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. Now why does Jesus do this? This is absolutely unheard of in the life of Israel in the first century. Why does Jesus do this? First point, because the gospel is for everyone. A few things to notice here. When Mark says Jesus was moved with pity, what that, what that word is literally, he's moved in his guts, his inner parts with compassion and love. Second, notice Jesus moves towards the leper. It says he stretched out his hand and he touched him. He meets him where he's at. And then Jesus touches him. You see, Jesus is God. He is holy, but he still touches an unclean man. Why? Because of unconditional love and compassion. Now, let me explain in a moment, if you're asking, well, how can Jesus touch someone unclean? Let me just table that, and I'll come back to it later. Now, let me unpack this a little bit for us. If this leper had walked into Jerusalem, had gone up to any of his fellow Jews, any religious leader, any priest, there's a very good chance that he would have been immediately turned away. He might have even been severely punished for breaking the social codes and breaking the ceremonial laws. But Jesus doesn't turn him away. Jesus is so moved with compassion and love that he does something unimaginable to a first century Jewish culture is he touches an unclean man. And Jesus, more than that, he, he cleanses him. He cures him, right? What you need to see is Jesus is God. He could have simply spoken, you are clean. He didn't need to touch him. But Jesus does. He reaches out to him. In other words, Jesus comes and he meets him in his deepest need and right where he was. And Jesus does this for us. Meets us in our deepest need right where we are even while we are unclean. While humanity was unclean, God took on our uncleanness, our likeness in the flesh, and he descends to us right where we were. He stretches out to us, and he reached out, and he touches us. God demonstrates his great compassion and love 
and to cleanse us of our impurities, to wash away our sins, to meet us right where we are in Jesus coming to us. What this account shows us is that the gospel is for everyone, even the most unclean. But, but don't we have a hard time with that? It's easy for us to look at this and scoff at the religious leaders who would have turned away a man like a leper and say, well, we wouldn't do that today. We welcome sinners. But we do the same thing in in many respects. We have conceptions of who's too unclean for, for our church, who's too unclean to be a part of our community, who's too unclean to be someone we converse with, have a relationship with. And we see certain people as threats to our own cleanliness. But Jesus doesn't do this. He stretches out and touches. Now let me ask, who in your mind is just too unclean to be a part of the church? Who's just too unclean to converse with at work? Who's just too unclean to invite to dinner at your, at your house with your family? What sinners do you see as a threat to Jesus and his church? Or even maybe your own reputation. I can't talk to them. How would it be seen? You see, Jesus' ministry challenges us because we can, even if it's unconscious, friends, put walls around the breadth and the depth of the gospel And who it's for because we can unconsciously require people to come into the church and be cleaned up. But Jesus' ministry shows us how do we follow his, how do we follow him? How do we follow suit? Well, it's actually to go to the unclean, to move towards them, to reach out. To meet people's deepest needs and longings right where they are because this is what God has done for us in Christ. And this is hard because naturally we want our communities to look like us. We want to think that we're cleaned up and we have it together. So others need to do the same. But you know what the key to doing this ministry of Jesus, to touching the unclean? It's to see the depth of your own uncleanness before God. That's the point of the ceremonial law in the Old Testament. It's to show Israel that without God coming to them, they can never belong to his community. They can never have a relationship with with him if he does not come to them first. God is the one who must cleanse us. Not only their outside, but their heart. On the inside. God must come and cleanse us from the inside out. And this is what Jesus comes to do especially to the religious leaders of the day, because they look good on the outside. They're cleaned up. But on the inside, he calls them whitewashed tombs. They look great, but on the inside, they're just dead and dying. To do what Jesus does for others, we must see, friends, that our own hearts are leprous. And the only way that they can be cleansed is by Jesus coming to us and touching us with his unconditional love and grace. When we see that about ourselves, we can go to anyone. We can go to anyone and bring anyone into the church, anyone into, uh, to dinner at our house, into our family. We can minister to anyone because we realize that we're actually not so different. 
And what we do in the process is, is in reaching out like this is we uphold the dignity of all people as someone made in the image of God and we show them how God sees them as we unconditionally reach out and bring them into fellowship like God has brought us in. And this is the second point. The gospel is restorative. Notice the leper comes to Jesus. It says imploring and kneeling. In other words, he acknowledges Christ's lordship and authority. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Now this is a Jewish man reverently submitting to the will of God. He knows that Jesus possesses the power to perform the miracle. It's not if you can, if you will. When he says, if you will, what he's saying is, whatever God wills, I will submit to it. And then he says, make me clean. He says, rid me of the sign of sin in my life and restore me. Notice too, he asks to be cleansed, not healed, cleansed. Now for a Jew to be clean meant to be a part of the covenant community and able to go and to worship God. This leper can't do either. So when he asks for cleansing, what he's asking for is restoration in every area of his life, not only physically, but emotionally Socially, financially, a leper would have been dependent on on people giving alms to him to survive. His dignity as an image bearer would have been restored if he was cleansed. See, this is why Jesus tells him in verse 43, Go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus does four things in this verse. First, he's fulfilling the commands of the law. Yes, I said he touches an unclean man. I'm still going to punt that for a moment, and I'll tell you in a minute why. That's okay. See, the priests are also the public health officials. I'm so happy that's not how it is today. (laughs) A priest calling him clean means that his body was restored, physical restoration. Second, it was necessary for a priest to declare anyone clean in order to be restored to community. This is a social and emotional restoration. Three, in requiring him to go and sacrifice, Jesus is telling the man, give thanks to God for the miracle. And also, he's saying the sacrifice also acts as a seal of his cleanness because Blood is shed. It's actually sprinkled over in Leviticus 13 and 14 over the unclean man. It's a sign and a seal of the payment of sin. In other words, the shedding of blood restores him in his relationship with God. It's a spiritual restoration. Finally, the miracle points to the lordship and authority of Christ over the sacrificial system and over the ceremonial law. It's a witness to the Jewish officials that the Messiah has come. This is what Jesus means when he says, for proof to them. He's saying, I have come. It's a witness to Israel. So let me explain why this is relevant for us in a city like Austin today. Because where we live here, there's a colliding of people groups constantly calling one another unclean. 
And Jesus comes, and what Jesus does is he flips the whole thing upside out. He cleanses the unclean. He reaches out to them. He touches them. He comes to them, and he overturns the religious system. He fulfills it so that many, even if many of them hold it so dear, they hold their religious convictions so dear to them, and Jesus flips the whole thing over. Even those who are doing all the right things on the, out, on the outside, Jesus shows them that he is their Lord. They must submit to him and follow in his ministry and go to the unclean, to go to the outcasts, even before they clean themselves up, to welcome others into community who we see as unclean so they can experience the restoration of the gospel and see that Jesus is their Lord. This is what I'm calling the multidimensional aspect of the gospel. It's the gospel is good news not only for our salvation, but for every area of life. Because while the stain of sin is wide and deep, it touches and spreads to every aspect of life, Jesus is Lord of life. And therefore, the breadth and depth of his gospel, the good news that he preaches, the saving work of Christ also touches every area of life. You see, this leper is restored in every way. Fulfilling his deepest needs and longings to be touched, to be seen, to be sought after, to belong, and to be loved. Friends, is this not what everybody wants? To be known, to be seen, to be loved, and to belong. Do people in Austin not need to belong? But we call them unclean, right? You see, the gospel cleans the unclean and brings together communities that should never make sense on paper, never work on paper. People who would never be together, who have completely different backgrounds, who come from different places, but the dynamic, multidimensional aspect of the gospel is that it touches every area of life and frees what was bound to sin, and it restores everything, friends. You see, this is the work that God is doing in the world through the proclamation of his gospel. He's beating swords into plowshares. He's illuminating darkness. He's preserving what is dying. He's building up beauty where there is destruction. He is cleaning the unclean. See, friends, how much does the city of Austin need a dynamic gospel? The multidimensional aspects of this gospel. Finally, notice Jesus commands the man to keep the miracle silent, but instead he goes and does the exact opposite and he tells everyone and the result is that Jesus was unable to, it says, openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. The final point, the gospel is substitutionary. What happens here in this last part of this text is what Martin Luther called the great exchange. Notice the leper is an outcast. He lives outside of the city and now Jesus is unable to enter the city. 
It says he was out in the desolate places. That word right there is the same word for wilderness that, that Mark used earlier when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Jesus is back out in those places. In other words, Jesus and the leper, they trade places. There's an exchange that's happened. This, friends, is the very gospel that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. By becoming a curse for us. God made him who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus, when he goes to the cross, he's crucified outside of the city. He's alone. He's isolated. God forsakes God somehow. He's completely alone. And he becomes unclean for us by taking our own sins as his own. See, the hand that touched the leper is nailed to the cross. Because Jesus is clean. Because he is holy. He is undefiled by sin. His entire life, that's why he can touch the leper. Because the clean makes the unclean clean. He is the fullness of the presence of God. Beginning to restore creation. And he gives us his perfect merit of his life as our own. Friends, this is the great exchange. His righteousness becomes our own. His cleanness is ours. His holiness becomes ours. Friend, if you're saying this morning, I want to be cleansed. I want to experience restoration. You need to stop trying to clean yourself up. You need to stop trying to act like you have it all together. You need to stop trying to earn God's approval with your works. You must give up the ability to clean yourself. And you must believe that you need a substitute who does and did what you can never do for yourself. Paul says in Ephesians, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he goes on to say, And Christ loves us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses you, friend. Jesus is your cleansing. So how do you respond? How do you respond to this? If you're a Christian, remember your baptism. Remember the sign and the seal of God's promises to cleanse and forgive you from all of your sins. Hold fast, not to the strength of your own faith or your own works, but the promise of Hebrews chapter 9. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purity, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Friend, remember your baptism and the promises of God. And that he will continue to cleanse your heart. And remember what the author of Hebrews 9 ends with. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. 
Friend, while you eagerly await Christ's return, reach out to those as Christ has reached out to you. If you're not a Christian this morning, you go back to the beginning of this account. Kneel and implore Jesus to cleanse you. He will take away all of your sin. He has come and he has reached out to meet you right where you're at. You don't need to clean yourself up first. He loves you. The blood of Christ will cleanse you. He did what you cannot do for yourself and he died a death that all of us deserved. He exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He stood where we all should under the wrath of God, but he did so as our substitute. So in the great exchange, Jesus gives himself for us to cleanse and forgive us of all of our sins. He comes near to us, friends, so that we may draw near to him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, help us to present ourselves and all of our pursuits as a sacrifice to you that you may peaceably rule and perpetually dwell in us until you gather us to our final heavenly dwelling where there is reserved for us an eternal rest and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.